Aloha Maui Nui. Hello, this is Josh Porter here. And Jason Furcard. It is the Solar Coaster. Episode number 36. 36. The SIA episode, Solar Energy Industry Association with Abigail Ross Hopper. This is a good one, Jay. Yeah, absolutely. We were waiting for this interview for a couple weeks. We knew it was coming, but we couldn't quite get it on the schedule. Uh, finally yeah. got a hold of her, and it's interesting, so stay tuned. Great, thing, <laughs> great way to start the year out. Still, it's the second episode of the year here with the Solar Coaster, and uh, we got a solid like 25 minutes of good content. Really dug in with Abigail Ross Hopper, the president and CEO of SIA. This is the uh, chief kind of lobbying organization for the solar energy industry in the United States. Yeah, the Spend social... The, the, the um, what is it? Solar Energy Industry, Industry Association. Association is the actual name. That's what SIA stands for. Yep. Um, they are a Washington, D.C. based organization representing all of solar in the United States, yeah. essentially. And I'm not going to give too many spoilers. We'll hear it in the interview. Yep. But it, what is really cool is they've been in business for 43 years, or business. They've been doing they've been this doing, for 43 yeah, years. Yeah, they're, they're a lobbyist, lobbying organization um, representing solar. And that what that says to me is that they were there at the very beginning when <laughs> yeah. it was still NASA making solar panels to put yeah, on Space Day. That's like, pretty much the only people out there making solar panels. <laughs> I feel panels. like there was some guy at NASA that's like... Uh, Hey, I made a solar panel, and he called up his buddy in D.C., and he's like, make an organization. (laughs) It was probably that. We're going to have to dig into history and find out. I mean, she said 43, and I was like, did I hear you right? (laughs) So um, we're going to hear some really interesting information. Uh, It's, it's, you know, fairly political. We've got a lot going on in the country right now. Uh, So we're going to go into that as soon as we possibly can. We are going to reserve some time. This is a pre-recorded session. We did speak with Abby earlier yesterday. That was how we made it work, right? And, uh, you know, we we actually got a commitment for her to do an in-studio show uh, when she makes it to Maui. I think she's looking for a little time out here in Maui. Probably. Well, after after, after this is finally closed, I think she's going to take a little break. Yeah, really, really. (laughs) She's in the middle of some. So it's, it's, why is it so relevant? Well, basically, you know, you have this pending tariff issue. The White House is just about to make their decision about the tariffs. It's due on the 26th. They could come at any moment. So she is at the lead, kind of the tip of the spear here in dealing with uh, protecting the solar industry in the United States. So we're going to hear all about that from Abby uh, shortly. And after we hear that, we're going to have an open call-in session. So if anyone would like to give us a call, please do. 242-7800. 242-7800. And we can talk a little bit about what uh, Abby had to say. And we got some other things uh, kind of in the hopper too. Yep. So we are the uh, Solar Coaster Renewable Energy themed talk show right here in lovely Maui County. Fridays at 1.05 p.m here at KOI 1110 AM, Kaoi, Kaoi, I don't have to say KOI anymore, Kaoi, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM West Side, 98.7 FM Up Country, uh, and I said before, call-ins, uh, 808-242-7800 is our call-in line. Yep. So uh, you can find us on the web, Jay, and tell us about that. Sure, www.solar-coaster.com, that's solar-coaster.com. Uh, you can listen live, check out our live, our- live stream right now we're on youtube hello everybody and uh get on the mailing list as well so you find out what's going on in uh, solar absolutely and we have uh we are sponsored by a great group of companies maui solar project tabuchi electric america sonin battery and pika energy Thank you, guys. And uh, a little shout out, special shout-out to Pika Energy. They're going to be on island next week. That's right. They're here. I actually really, really want to go to this training, except I'm not an installer. so I'm uh, We're going to try uh, to make that work. I, I want to go. It's going to be like, <laughs> uh, here's MSP in the coaster. Like a whole crowd of people are coming oh, in. Oh, no. Yeah, well, so. that, that, that could be fun. But, um, yeah, see if, you, see if you can get me in. <laughs> we're working on it. We're working on it. Uh, we have podcasts, too, Jay. Uh, we're starting to get a little bit of action there, too. Some sharing. Absolutely. Some you, can, you can find all of, of course, if you go to the Solar-Coaster website, you can get all our previous podcast offices. SoundCloud, but we're also available on iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So you can find us on all those platforms. Nice. Check it out. Good archive out there. And uh, so the new feature, we've been working on transcription, which is really cool. So if you want to read, if if you're like, you know what, I'm not sure if what Josh said was accurate. I heard him say that thing. I want, you're going to have an actual transcription. Well, I'm not sure the transcription is accurate. That's been kind of the point of contention for us. In full disclosure, we're editing the transcripts. (laughs) So we have to, right? Well, you have to edit them because they they go through a computer right. and the computer spits out all sorts of interesting things like, i know i didn't say that <laughs> go back and listen to it but yeah so the transcripts are up in our blog section there's one transcript up so far we're going to keep going with that uh it is an interesting thing because you can kind of go back what did we say what was that issue what did she say what did the guest speaker have to comment on that particular issue it's a kind right. of time stamp to and it's it. searchable it's, that's the nice bit yeah it's pretty neat it's pretty neat so do check that out the transcription um we have some cool memes up we got some infographics we haven't done the infographics graphics yet. Uh, Anything else new that we're working on to push the envelope, gentlemen? 
No, no, doesn't sound like pretty it. much. Okay. It. Okay. <laughs> this is already an awful lot of work. The transcriptions yeah. alone are like each one is like four hours of right. four man hours. Right, right, Oy. right. So uh, okay, we want to jump right into our uh, news and events section, Jay. Sure. Okay. So the first thing we got is uh, right out of China. The Tesla already posted up on Facebook that Tesla already has 1,000 superchargers across China, and they're planning on doubling that by the end of this year, this new year being 2018. So more superchargers than I knew existed in the whole world. I didn't think we had yeah. that many around. But um, when we were when we were in California, we actually went to the Tesla dealership. We saw the um, the map, and they have this little this lovely animated map on the TV that shows all the superchargers and the highest um, energy density. You know, the, the ones that are pumping the most energy out into vehicles um, on on the list. And of course, Beijing was number one right. on that list. Right. But now there's a whole lot more <laughs> behind yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. So it's are there really that many Teslas in China? That's that's an interesting question. You know, what are the, what's the quantity? I mean, it, one would tend to lead to the other, right? So if they have a dominant amount of superchargers, that probably well, yeah. Means- I have, but I have to wonder: are they are they putting out rolling out a whole lot of superchargers in order to? I mean, China's another country where the the, the brand recognition is is all you know. Right. Um, so Tesla being a hot commodity, right. they would want to have the infrastructure to support the brand that facilitates sales. But I don't know. Yeah. So it could be like, like either they have the the S's to the Model S's Chicken and the X's egg. to support the superchargers already, or they're putting in all the superchargers because they know the threes are just going to go bonkers, basically. They're going right. to sell loads of Model 3s, and they're going to have, you know, huge presence. They're going to they're gonna need it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's a fantastic thing. Uh, last week, we talked about uh, China's new solar highway being opened up. Uh, and, yeah. of course, uh, week <laughs> one, uh, China's heralded solar highway closed after thieves stole one of the panels. <laughs> so this is an absolute mess. The, the, the highway wasn't even open for a week, and they came in, ripped out this panel. I and mean, it's not a normal panel, like a solar panel that you would steal mm. off of somebody's roof or something. This is a, this is a seriously reinforced thing for roadway. Um, it's not um, easily resellable or anything else, but somebody stole one panel, damaged six or seven others, and it, looked like, and it looked like they used some kind of corrosive on it. This was not a small-time job. They were really like, melting it out of the road. But that's really, really sad, and the, whole, the highway is now closed. Right, so. right. Interesting <laughs> stuff here. You know, outside of that, they do mention in this article some kind of interesting characteristics about the actual road, right? And they say electricity from the project could melt the snow in the winter to make driving safer. Sure, absolutely. Right? I mean, it makes perfect sense. You have these little, I mean, they don't need to be a huge amount above ambient temperature, but it's enough, at least if it's like 34, 35 degrees, yeah. little little um, heater coils in the road, you could actually heat itself and keep it keep it safer. And they get another could here, so it doesn't sound to me like it is. But they no, said I don't it, think that this, this one could, is. This one is. It not. could also uh, remote charge electric cars, which we love talking about, right? Yep, so, absolutely. And then they do mention that, as a side note here, this is kind of a little bit of a um, little propaganda game here. But China became the world's top solar power producer last year, producing 78 gigawatts of solar power annually, compared to 40.3 gigawatts in the U.S. U.S. ranks fourth after Japan and Germany. Hmm. Oh no. Okay. That's what we're here for. Let's make it happen, people. <laughs> okay. So what's that, what's next on the on the boards, Jay? Well, that was that was global news, national news. Um, that uh, Panasonic is a Japanese company, obviously, mm-hmm. but um, they have significant investments <coughs> in the United States, mm. and they've been investing with Tesla in this new Gigafactory too, which is in Buffalo, New York. Yeah, and they just started production. Uh, actually, it's, they started in December, but it, they were being very quiet about it because they wanted to make sure they were up to up to numbers and up to snuff mm. before they had to turn it on. Uh, but after a brief trial run, Panasonic reports that cell manufacturing for the solar roof is now underway at this factory, and that the uh, the batteries are, uh, are are being cranked out. So. Yeah, and it looks like um, it looks like I mean you're in a in a in a factory that makes the hetero junction. Uh, thin cell uh, mm-hmm. solar panels. I yep. wonder if that in, you know implies something about the technology they're using here. Um, you know, it's uh, it looks like there was a kind of a joint venture in terms of supporting the capital investment to get this thing off the ground. Um, you know, I mean, it's it, here's the thing. It's like this 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 whole solar roof. I got people are just captured by this idea. The amount of times people ask me about the solar roof, and I got to go through the you know the story about you know a little bit of interaction with these fellas, and then you know where it's likely to be, and what news we do know about, and then you know how it'll actually take shape. I mean, people love this concept. It's like Musk has done it again, right? You know, he's done it again. Yeah, he's absolutely. always captured people's imaginations, just like the Powerwall. We're gonna Powerwall. That was like three, four years yeah, ago. Yeah, it's, it's that. Oh it's my that goodness, it's gonna change thing. the world, right? Yeah, he's got the roofs. He 
he has this ability to just kind of catalyze interest globally. Well, I think what the he Australian said. The Australian hundred day bet with it. I mean, it's one thing <laughs> yeah, that after one. another. One after another. But I think the, what, what he said was that it's going to cost the same as a, as a regular re-roofing for somebody. And that's like, why would you do it any other way? If, if the cost is going to be the same as a normal yeah. non-solar roof and then you have to pay for the solar in addition, why else? What else would you do? It well, makes perfect sense. And, and there's been a lot of analysis. And this always happens. Like he makes a big kind of announcement. Mm-hmm. And then it, it's people pre-buy it, right? Yep. I, I'm not sure if the Tesla roofs can be pre-bought. Yep. But, you know, no, they can be, right? They, they, well, they could. <clears throat> so I don't know if you can do it anymore. They have, they have quite then... the backlog. <clears throat> it was California only. <clears throat> right. It's not anymore, um, as far as I understand. But it's still it's select select markets only. I got gotcha. you. Um, and but the nice thing about this is that they're completely uh, exempt from the whole tariff conversation because they're being manufactured in oh, Buffalo, New York. <laughs> right. Not to mention the fact that are, are they thin film? We got to look into that. Yeah. So, um, but the, the the point that I was uh, w- wanted to just share is post announcement after post Barnum and Bailey announcement. Yep. And around the time people are buying it, you know, you'll have someone come out, a third party, and they'll evaluate it and they'll say why it's wrong. I've seen this like in each of his technologies. For sure. I, and it's over the roofs. They were making comparisons. So these articles are out there, everybody. You know, you can check them out. Um, but from my perspective, you know, there were some core pieces to this that were relevant in the costing, right? One was they were talking about how they're making these cells so strong, so uh, resistant to damage that, you know, a lot of the times in roof uh, types of tiles, apparently when you ship them, they break and there's a lot of loss, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So eliminating that. And then eliminating uh, and, and then incorporating the cost of solar and then um, putting it all together, you're able to get you know a better longevity out of these systems potentially too. So this is the kind of math that they're working to when they say cheaper than a regular roof. Right, it's probably right. not cheaper than a regular roof. It's probably, Out-of-pocket expense right. is not going to be cheaper. It's like, yeah, long-term ownership. And long I'm sure they're, they're factoring in the total cost of energy, et cetera, et, right. et cetera, a lot of things. You need a new um, acronym. Instead of like levelized cost of energy, it's like levelized <laughs> cost of roof ownership with energy. <laughs> right. Absolutely, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Very um, cool stuff. Yeah, though. it's it's really really neat. And like I said, they're they're tariff exempt. They are real domestically manufactured. Um, could be really interesting. I thought, I said it over and over again. I need more information on this. No one yeah. has ever been able yeah. to show me. The one thing I really really worry about are these these lovely little tiles, are, are the interconnects. Sure. Like how they all how they all connect to each other. I mean, how does that work? I mean, right. Even even with an existing se- system with large panels, you yeah. know, you have you have connectivity issues. And if you have little breaks between these, I mean, we live in a harsh climate. We have a lot of mm. sun, a lot of wind, a lot of corrosion. And so any of those exposed contacts that would have to con- connect between the cell, between the tiles, um, would really, I, I would be susceptible. To yeah. that kind of yeah, environment, but they, sure. they claim they claim it's okay. So this is the, this show, is the magic show me. of this business. That's what you know the, I, the the absolutely it's very it's very interesting stuff. I mean, I think that when I when I hear these new announcements, not to dig too much, Tesla always gets kind of overtime on, on with us, right? But it's like <laughs> I think that you know there's always a core value point in here, and I kind of wonder what what is he shooting for? What's the real thing that's being shot for? And I think it's housing starts. Yeah, I think it's basically um, creating a uh, technology that once it scales can be a de facto roof technology. And that changes the game. So there's X amount of million housing starts nationally across mm-hmm. the country, right? So if, if it's like, hmm, what should we choose? Well, and if that's like a package well, in all got, the homes. Yeah, they've got like five <clears throat> different styles right now, right? And you, yeah. so you, you, it's, it's an HOA's dream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right, HOA's, geez, right, exactly. So people love this stuff. This is very exciting. You know, you know, you know I know it'll be successful because regardless of what I'm thinking or saying, I kind of want it to. There you so, go, there you go. <laughs> you know, so you, you want one of everything. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, uh, I'll be that old guy at 80 with like, and here's a thing that came out back in 2010. That was Did you great. ever get your windmill? Windmill, no, Craigslist. we're talking to that guy on Craigslist right now. <laughs> Okay. So um, the last thing we got is the uh, Hawaiian Electric Company uh, has a new newsletter, the Distributed Energy Resources Connected Newsletter. And this is actually really interesting. I mean, it's, it's targeted at installers um, because it really delves deep into uh, certified equipment, uh, yeah. customer interconnect tools. Uh, but there's actually a lot of information in here about the different programs that you can actually apply for, the CGS, the CSS, mm. NEM expansion, et cetera, et cetera, that we keep talking about. Um, and it's not terribly long. It's this, this one's only three pages. Three, three pages. Some graphics um, in it. 
but it's really would be uh, if, if you are in the market for solar or interested in the technologies uh, that are available in the state, uh, I would definitely recommend a read. Uh, we're going to post that link up on the Solar-Coaster website, and uh, and you can go and find it. But uh, I would follow that because it's going to be, would it say a weekly thing or is it a monthly thing? I think th- I think this is monthly. The actual, the inverter list was weekly that they up, they refreshed the, the Yeah, so th- list. I think this has been around for a little bit, this newsletter, um, mm-hmm. but it is something just to be aware of. You know, it's something we hadn't brought up on the show and we received the email uh, a couple maybe yesterday from from Miko and I think there's a, a you know nice opportunity here for people to just keep abreast of what's happening right uh, so yeah check it out uh, it is on my electrics website uh, clean energy Hawaii producing clean energy DER newsletter January 2018 yeah All excellent right. All right we're gonna go into commercial break uh, and we're gonna hear from Abigail Ross Hopper from SIA and after that interview as we said this is a pre-recorded interview um, but we will uh, be taking phone calls and you can discuss what we heard that number. Aloha and welcome to Maui Solar Project. It is easy to feel rejuvenated just stepping outside on a magnificent Hawaiian day. Maui Solar Project is here to help harness that energy you feel in your body and use it to power your homes and businesses. As Laura tells us, Maui harnessed the sun so as to slow its path across the sky. Join Maui Solar Project as we harness the sun's energy and slow Hawaii's dependence on fossil fuels. Call Maui Solar Project at 269-2352. MauiSolarProject.org. Tabuchi Electric, a leading worldwide inverter manufacturer, presents the second generation of the eco-intelligent battery system, the IBIS. Tabuchi's grid-friendly system includes a high-efficiency inverter, stackable batteries, and integration with Jelly software for the most adaptable battery storage system on the market. The system is optimized for energy management and cost performance. Maximize your solar investment with Tabuchi's electric eco-intelligent battery system. The Sonin Batter Eco is an energy storage solution that utilizes intelligent energy management software. The system is available in a variety of storage capacities and allows for expansion. Sonin Battery Eco allows you to save money by harvesting energy from your solar PV system and using that stored energy when rates are more expensive. Sonin Battery Eco is specifically designed to provide you and your family peace of mind in the event of power outage. Our unique power detection system will sense outages in real time and automatically switch over to battery power. See Sonin Battery Eco at sonin-battery.com. MIT-founded Pika Energy, makers of the Pika Energy Island, a smart energy management system that uses solar panels, lithium batteries, and intelligence to manage your energy and keep you powered even during outages. With a clean, intelligent alternative to grid power, you're in control of your energy future. Pika's Energy Island lets you manage electrical costs with HECO-ready self-supply functions. Pika's largest battery, the Harbor Plus, offers 16 kilowatt hours of stored energy and can power loads of up to 10 kilowatts. And if you need more capacity, just add a second or even third Harbor Smart battery to the same system for a maximum of 48 kilowatt hours of usable storage. Pika Energy, own your power. To learn more, visit pika-energy.com. All right, that's our commercial run there. Thank you very much to our wonderful sponsors. Yep, really appreciate you guys always uh, keeping us on the air. Uh, we're going to be talking to Abigail Ross Hopper right now, who is? Yeah, uh, Abigail Ross Hopper is the CEO and president of SIA. Uh, SIA.org is the website. Mm-hmm. This is the Solar Energy Industries Association. So S-E-I-A. S-E-I-A, dot yes. org. Okay, so we got Abigail uh, on the line here, right? Uh, so yep, we're going to move absolutely. right into this. Welcome, Great, Abigail. Thanks for having me. Now, now, Abby, we're really interested to hear from your perspective on a couple of different things, but can you start out by giving our listeners a sense of uh, what SIA does and what your background is and how you found yourself in this kind of really pivotal position in the country right now? Sure. So SIA is the National Trade Association for the solar industry. We lobby on both the federal and the state level. We have about a thousand member companies in every single state across the country. Um, We do policy, we do politics, we do lots of communications, and we have a great research staff as well so that we can, you know, know what's happening in the solar industry and really tell that story. Um, See, has been around for about 43 years. I've been here for almost one. Uh, I come from a background of private practice of law, state government, and federal service as well. So it's an exciting time to be in this spot. You're right. Absolutely. So did I hear you right? Did, you, did I hear 43 years? Yeah, the, the association is 43 years old. 
Whoa, what a history. That's amazing. You know, and the website is so deep. There's such a, a, a great archive of resources. You know, over the last few days, we were trying to uh, get our head around, you know, more specifically what C is engaged with. And I was I was kind of like, whoa, they're, you're really doing an amazing job of providing resources online for us. Oh, good. I'm glad. I, um, we just redid the entire website in the last few months. Actually, we rolled it out at SPI. Where we I got met you. Right. Um, so it's, right. An exciting, it's an exciting um, achievement of ours this year. Yeah, nice work. Really, uh, probably one of the most impressive uh, websites that covers that content that I've seen. And I believe we spent a lot of time on the web looking for information <laughs> for the show. <laughs> <laughs> so um, let me ask you, I want to dig right in to the kind of crux of the issue right now. What is the general feeling or mood in both the industry and the government and across the nation right now from your perspective? About solar? Yes, about solar. <laughs> um, you know, it's. I would say it's a real juxtaposition. I would say that um, kind of on the positive side, that that solar continues to be incredibly cost competitive. It is becoming more and more accessible to um, people and to businesses and to utilities in states all across the country. Um, we're competing head to head with other forms of generation. So. You know that if if left and allowed to grow, we're going to triple our installations in the next few years. Um, so right. it's incredibly positive. There's also this significant anxiety right now about this trade case that I know we're going to talk about and kind of what that means to the industry and how that could have a really detrimental impact on this growth that otherwise would be taking place. Absolutely. We're, we're seeing comments from business owners throughout the web saying, you know, they're really concerned about how this is going to affect, you know, the solar industry and, and everything related to solar. Um, so let, let, let's see. Let's dig right into this um, policy that you have proposed to the White House, an American first plan for solar energy. Can you give us the rundown of that, please? Yeah. So, you know, as we think about kind of the uh, let me just back up a second. So this trade case that I mentioned I'm sure most of your listeners know, um, is a request to put tariffs on all imports coming in from any right. country, uh, any solar module coming in from any country in the U.S. In the, and in cells, the yes. Um, yeah, and cells, yeah. exactly. Um, and so obviously the president is the ultimate decision maker. And as we think about what motivates the president, obviously putting America first. And so we really have thought about, well, what does it mean to put America first in the solar industry? And it means, first of all, saying no to those tariffs, because we think that they will um, hurt jobs and hurt investment. It means saying yes to national security, obviously making sure that we're building and creating and, um, you know, developing this uh, solar energy here in the United States is important. Um, Saying yes to uh, to energy security. Right, making sure that we have a diverse um, supply and a diverse portfolio of energy is important. Um, saying yes to job creation. Obviously, if solar continues to grow, we're going to continue um, to to uh, create new jobs. And so it's really consistent with everything the president talks about it. Job creation, innovation, investment um, right here in this country. I, I see. And so we have a decision coming on the 26th. Is that correct? We're about a couple weeks out of hearing it's, what the White House has to say. Yeah, this this is a question I have. It's been delayed a number of times already. Is there any chance it's going to be delayed or will we find we get a final decision? Yeah, so it's, it has been delayed um, one time. And so the December, 20, I mean, January 26th is the deadline. You know, there's, if you ask 100 people in Washington, you're going to get 100 different answers. But we're certainly hearing some sense that he might announce his decision before January 26th. So mm-hmm. any time between tomorrow and the 26th. So we have a two-week window there where we're waiting to hear um, what he's decided. I think there's very little chance that he will um, delay another, the decision further than that. It, I mean, are we at a place where it's kind of a foregone conclusion that they're going to that the administration is going to decide in favor of the tariffs or do you think there's still a chance it might not go that direction you know if you look historically at these kind of cases um there are a fair number of them in the in the 80s and the 90s there there were a significant number of cases where the international trade commission recommended a tariff and the president said no so that precedent is certainly out there and obviously that's what we've been lobbying hard for um 
That being said, you know, we understand this president is interested in being tough on trade and tough on uh, sort of some some specific other countries. And so we've really made the case that this this case isn't about those other countries, right? This case is about global imports. It's about protecting American workers. It's about protecting the investments that this country has made in solar energy. Um, and so we put forth um, a proposal to allow an import license fee to be imposed on imported solar panels. So it's a small fee that uh, that all imports would pay, would go directly to domestic manufacturers. And I think sort of threads the needle very um, elegantly between uh, helping our domestic manufacturers here in the cell and module um, field and also allowing demand to continue to grow so there's someone left to buy those cells and modules. Right. What's the what's the difference for those that don't know that that a tariff, which sounds like money you would pay when you import something to the United States, and a license fee, which sounds like something you would pay money to import something to the United States? Yeah, no, that's a great question. And there, there and in terms of how the how the uh, importer would experience it, they're exactly the same. They would pay X number of cents um, to bring that product in. The difference is how many cents, right? And we, what we're proposing for an import license fee is lower than what the petitioners have asked for for a tariff. But much more importantly, um, it's what happens with that fee. So mm -hmm. you might pay, I'm just making up numbers, pay five cents on an import license fee, pay five cents for a tariff. If you pay five cents for a tariff, it goes into the U.S. Treasury. If you pay five cents on an import license fee, it goes directly to domestic manufacturers who recapitalize, to um, you know, retool their plans, to train their workers. And so you know, those five cents have a pretty significant impact, whereas the five cents of a tariff simply go to the treasury and don't create much of incentive for a new manufacturing here. Right. So we have um, a matter of the direction and the timing of how that money flows effectively. Mm-hmm. Right. And then right. have you had any direct contact with the administration, either with the president himself or with some of his uh, members of his, of his of his administration team? Yeah, we were actually trying to count up today how many meetings we've had. We think well over 100 meetings over the last few months with members of the president's cabinet, members of his administration, career uh, professionals in the administration, as well as members of Congress about this, governors, state legislators, you know, state um, public service wow. commissioners. So we really cast our net incredibly wide. Um, and there's been pretty um, pretty strong support for our position and against tariffs. So we, uh, in the last week, have met with uh, Secretary Ross, the Secretary of Commerce, and met with Ambassador Lighthizer. He is the U.S. Trade Representative. Gotcha. Any uh, any interesting stories inside of that? I have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, that you want I'm to tell us? Building my collection of. Um, Kiss like Hershey kisses signed by the president. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. great, great. Okay, so uh, Jay, what do you think? You want to move into another uh, component of this? Tax. Let's talk about tax. Let's yeah, talk about tax. taxes. So this is this is a big issue for everybody out here. Uh, we have a wide adoption, as you're probably aware already, um, and people who are purchasing solar equipment, now solar plus storage, are always concerned about the tax code. And there's been some significant changes this year. Yeah, so, you know, the, the, here's a great story that came out in 2017, is that um, the investment tax credit, which, as you know, is the most important federal tax policy to incent solar, um, went through tax reform unscathed. So Republican House, Republican Senate, Republican President, um, and our tax credit did not change. And that's a testament right. to... I mean, frankly, the lobbying work that we've done, the great work by our member companies to to build and to grow and to prove to legislators across, in both parties how important that tax policy and consistent tax policy is to allow for growth. Um, what, what has changed and what did change in the tax bill is obviously that the uh, corporate tax rate, right, went from 35 to 21 percent. That um, will have an impact on the amount of tax equity that's in the market available to be utilized to finance solar projects. So that could be impactful. And then 
I mean, my goodness, you probably heard about the beat, which we all learned what that meant in the waning days of December. But, you know, that that could have some impact on the usability of our tax credit. So those are the parts where we're still working, um, working with uh, Congress to make sure that we can continue to deploy capital. But, um, but it, it shouldn't be overlooked what a great success we had in protecting the investment tax credit through tax reform. Yeah, that tax credit has been extended till when now? So the tax credit um, on the uh, corporate side is uh, scales down over the next four years and then remains at 10%. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the on the residential side, it, it goes away after 2022, right? 2022. Yeah, 2022. Okay. Gotcha. And then um, out here, you know, we're in we're in Maui County, uh, Abby, and um, our environment here in Hawaii, and specifically in Maui, there's a lot of new programs with the utility. In fact, today we just received uh, an email not an hour ago confirming what's called CGS Plus, a new f- new version of a backfeeding program where the utility has certain controls. Uh, Smart Export, which is a way you can monetize your uh, batteries and actually provide uh, a revenue stream potentially, and then uh, NEM Expansion. Uh, allows uh, for non-export expansion to NEM systems. So there's a lot of really cutting-edge stuff happening out here, not to mention all the technology that's being deployed. So is there? are you familiar with what's going on kind of in this leading-edge area of renewable energies? And do you have any thoughts about uh, the, how, the, how the community is relevant to the rest of the country? Oh, absolutely. So, um, yeah, I'm very aware of the, of the groundbreaking work that's happening in Hawaii. And both on the technology side and the policy side. And, you know, you're, you are the tip of the spear in terms of un- helping us all understand sort of from a technical point of view how these technologies work together and how they um, integrate into the grid and how we anticipate and solve any issues. And then from a policy point of view, kind of, you know, what pricing mechanisms are appropriate, what customers really care about, how do customers like to purchase solar stores together, what kind of products are they interested in. So, you know, we look to Hawaii all the time um, to really serve as a model for what we hope will be deployment in the rest of the country. Your penetration rates are higher than anywhere else, as I'm sure you know. And so, um, you know, our goal is to have uh, all of the country have the amount of the, you know, the penetration rates that you have there in Hawaii. So that's a really encouraging kind of viewpoint for our listeners because I think a lot of the time, you know, one of the reasons we started the show was because there's so much tech and changes to how this operates. We wanted to keep our listeners and the community abreast of what's happening, you know. So if they can feel that what they're doing here is really helpful to the rest of the country or relevant or even a light leading forward, that's kind of an interesting place for the community to be in. Yeah, no, it is, and I think uh, you know it can sometimes, I'm sure, feel a little overwhelming or or uh, uh, maybe dispiriting if if you think oh, there's you know problem, problem, challenge, challenge. But mm. it's really a great learning opportunity for the rest of us. So we appreciate the, the hard work you're doing there. <laughs> That's cool. Okay, um, here's another, another question for you. Are, are you familiar with how Hawaii's representatives are playing a role in this discussion in D.C. about solar renewable energies? I mean, how does that take shape, if at all? Yeah, no, your um, I mean, your senators, both Senator Hirono and Senator Schatz, are are fabulous advocates for the solar industry. Um, consistent champions. We appreciate we appreciate their support um, a lot. We especially, um, you know, Schatz is on the Appropriations Committee and the Sunshot Program, which is really one of the important R and D tools that we have in our arsenal. Mm-hmm. He's always been a big supporter of funding for that. And your you know your yeah, your House members are fabulous i used to I, I had the opportunity to engage with your um with your congressional delegation in my last job uh when i was working on offshore wind so i i came to your beautiful state um several times to talk about oh, wow. other sources of renewable energy and had a great opportunity to talk with your codel you're well represented here in washington that's good to hear. Yeah, appreciate yeah, that. I'm really happy about that. <laughs> so uh, let's think a little future forward. What would you say is your wish list for solar throughout the USA and the world? I mean, what is your kind of most ambitious vision of what could happen? Oh, my gosh. This is a great You can break this up you know? short term, <laughs> long term. Yeah, I'll break it down. Um, in the United States, solar will serve, you know, 25 to 40 percent of U.S. energy demand, electricity demand, and it will be incorporated with other 
technology solutions, and customers will have customers of all sorts. Um, you know. Uh, utilities as customers, um, corporations as customers, resident you know, people as customers will have lots of choices about how they get their energy, when to use their energy, where their energy comes from, um, how much control they'd like to have over it. And so, you know, I think, I, I believe strongly the diverse energy portfolio is best for our economic security and our energy security. And I think solar will play a huge part of that. I think uh, the technology will continue to evolve and and um, there will be sort of breakthroughs and discoveries that you know you and I can't even imagine. But when I yeah. think about sort of what the U.S. will look like, I mean, I have three kids, and I think you know they will they will see solar panels on roofs and um, drive past our solar farms on the highway and see turbines in the distance, and it will look normal to them. That will be right. their expectation of what their energy source looks like. And that's what I see for the U.S., that's what I see for the world. Um, and I think it's entirely achievable because this is one of the most innovative and uh, exciting um, industries in the country. Couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. And of course, if, if Tesla has their way, you won't see them. <laughs> <laughs> so we just had... To innovate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right. You know, speaking of innovation, you have a company like Tesla out there making, you know, doing all this groundbreaking work. Uh, I understand the Buffalo plant for the roof tile cells just ramped up in the last week or so. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was a discussion this year that uh, Tesla's acquisition of Solar City actually impacted the overall volume of residential sales throughout the country. Do you feel like that is an accurate comment? I've, I've heard this in a lot of different fronts in the industry. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to comment on any particular company, but I would say that 2017 um, was an important year in terms of the large residential companies sort of um, taking a look at their business model and making sure that it was, um, it was responsive to what consumers wanted, you know, as the cost of solar has come down so precipitously, Mm. right, there's been less and less. Uh, leasing and more and more ownership. And so some of the loan products have become more interesting to consumers uh, as opposed to the leasing models. And, you know, those lower costs let smaller companies participate. I'm sure you've heard about the long tail and they get to participate, you know, they have more opportunity to participate. So I think the market is evolving and maturing um, Mm. more so than one particular company's actions. Yeah, that's an interesting take on that. You know, uh, just as a, a small side uh, discussion, Community Solar was recently authorized by the Public Utilities Commission out here in, in Hawaii. And so oh, yeah. there's something interesting about Community Solar in terms of this democratizing access to renewable energies. Do you have any thoughts on that? Um, I th- yeah, so the, I think that Community Solar is critically important for all the reasons that you just said. It's important to make sure that we can reach a diverse customer base. It's important to ensure that um, it's accessible to lots of folks. It's important to sort of break up like different business models, right? And sort of have different, like like I was saying, choice, right? Have customers um, be able to have choices in terms of how they get their energy. So it's great. I didn't know, I didn't realize that Hawaii had authorized that. So that's exciting to hear. It's really, as we look at um, 2017 and our final numbers aren't out yet, but but just looking at the trends over the thir- first three quarters, um, community solar has been a really strong area of growth this this year. That's exciting year. to hear. That's exciting to hear. And um, uh, Abby, just a, a kind of one last thing from our side, unless Jay has something else to jump in with. You know, we have a, a upcoming show on on local governance, and so we're going to have uh, the outgoing administration, Mayor Arakawa, Mayor Alan Arakawa, as part of that conversation, and then the mayoral candidates, uh, who are presumably going to be at the helm of the future of renewable energies here in Maui County. Do you have a message for any of them um, when we do go through that show in the upcoming weeks? That's interesting. You know, it's, all politics is local. You know that all all permitting is local, despite what what entity has has the authority on paper. And so, you know, I would actually have a stronger advice to folks that are trying to develop solar in those local communities, as opposed to the decision makers, which is mm. you know build build bridges with communities under like understand what community members want and then provide that service to them rather than sort of coming in with grandiose ideas about what you think they need. It's always mm. more successful. 
um, that's in a that great, way. That's a great position. I like that a lot. All right. Well, uh, are, is there anything else, Jay, that you'd like to cover? No, just I'd like to extend a little bit of airtime to Abby. If there's anything else you want to say to our listeners, both uh, private and corporate. <laughs> Yeah, the only other thing I would say, which continues to be a really important focus for me, um, is just raising the issue of diversity in the solar industry. You know, we are an um, incredibly innovative and exciting area to be in, but gosh, we all look a lot alike. And so mm. um, I am personally committed, and my organization is committed, and this industry, I would like to be committed to ensuring that both our customer base is diverse and our workforce is diverse. And so you'll continue to hear from SIA Kind of tangible things that companies can do um, to make sure that we are extending the the reach of opportunities in solar um, to all of our citizens. I like that uh, message quite a bit. I think that Hawaii and Maui are are kind of doing some good work in that area right now as we speak. I mean, there's we're pretty well spread out in the communities, and we're we're right now we're looking at technologies that can really uh, with with that ownership financing model you described with the that trend uh, that can get, anyone can gain access to. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of movement out here in that regard. I feel like a trip is in order, don't you? I do. I think we would love to have you out here. We would love to host you. (laughs) And then maybe get you in the studio. I love it. Yeah, I think we should go for the the, the three-peat, right? What's that? We should go for the three-peat, the third interview. I like it. Okay, let's do it. That sounds great. That sounds great. Well, Abby, I can't thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedule. I know you're in the middle of a really important time right now in D.C. related to what's happening with the White House and your program proposals. So really, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the solar coaster with us. Oh, it's such an honor. Keep up the great work. It's so exciting to talk to people who are as enthusiastic about solar as I am. So I look forward to talking to you again soon. (laughs) Okay, we'll talk soon. Thank you, Abby. Thank you again. Okay, bye, guys. Okay, aloha. All right. Well, that was a great uh, experience there. Listening. Thanks so much to Abby for coming on the air with yeah, us. Yeah, great to connect with her again. She's they're doing so much. Um, specifically, um, we want to re- reiterate exactly what was said in this interview. Um, so the ITC tax credit that is the federal federal investment tax credit. That's thirty percent. This is what kind of drives solar throughout the country. It drives residential respects, yeah. solar adoption, right? And, and and well, also it's uh, it's for it, commercial too. Commercial as well. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's excellent. So thirty uh, percent is has remained intact. The electrical, the electric vehicle credit that we really, really thought we were losing. Yeah, at one point in this conversation, even just now, we were kind of reiterating. It. We we're like, uh, did it make it? We, we, we know we had this. Yeah, half of, half of us are, are we're not sure. And so we had, it, we had to go look it up again. To but make that was sure. on the that was on the chopping block very early on. Right, and right. it looks like it was able to be preserved. So yep. one of the things. Whoops, there you go. All right. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. One of the things that was uh, you know interesting about this is that you know it, Abby said, hey. This is really a reflection of a lot of the lobbying work that was done. Right. The preservation of the ITC in its current form, uh, and then also the, uh, the 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 electric vehicle tax credit. Right. right. So those are real successes, uh, kind of in the industry right now. Right. And uh, you know, so it's an exciting time to see that those things have actually been able to be uh, protected. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to open up the lines now. Um, if you'd like to call in and discuss any of the things you heard Abby talk about or anything else solar related, certainly give us a call. Yeah, two four two seven eight hundred is our uh, call in line. Uh, do give us a call. We got some cool stuff we're going to talk about until we hopefully get a call. But yeah. uh, you know, so the there is a great article out there that kind of I think follows up on this. A lot of the things that were covered, mm-hmm. uh, in the energy it was the energy two hundred two. The GOP tax plan is a windfall for gas and energy. Is that the one we're going to? Yeah, take yeah. A look this at? is this is off Washington Post. Um, yeah, energy two hundred two. Um, why wind and solar lobby is terrified of Senate tax plan. Um, basically, it goes into detail about the. Um, the beat. What is what does that stand well, for? Yeah. So this is this one. Actually, I think we should jump into that after because I. Oh. Uh, that's, but, but the uh, the one of the core things that this article talks about is the uh, lowering of the overall corporate tax rate, right? Sure. And then how uh, how how uh, solar uh, systems are funded, right? So effectively, you know, when uh, when when large multinational companies come in, they have all this tax equity, right? Mm-hmm. And then they want to fund these programs in order to utilize that. So uh, uh, with the tax credits, right? And 
and effectively the reduction reducing of the uh, corporate tax burden reduces the amount of tax equity that's out there for people to, to utilize right so they're saying hey you know this we're, there may not be as much of an incentive for these corporations to come in and uh, put money in yes and no they still have to pay a lot of taxes and I'm sure they're going to want to offset them so I don't know if I really see that particular argument the one the, the one that's way worse is <laughs> is coming at us right um, right so I mean but that's that's I, 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 I understand that right? and, it, and it's a significant drop in corporate tax what is it coming to him I think it's, um, we don't have the number in front um, but again so I large-scale um, 14 percentage point cut in corporate cut. tax that's, rate yeah, from that's Barclays. Yeah, it was. It was huge. It's a double-digit double-digit tax cut for corporations. Um, but what you were saying is that basically, like Miko would not um, fund a rollout of massive, like 50 megawatts of solar by themselves. They would go somewhere and basically get a loan. Right. Well, it's it's more like you, you have companies that know they're going to have to pay a bunch of taxes. Yep. And they also know that the return on investment is so aggressive for these these systems. So they'll go and they'll fund like an example. Right. Like our one of our partner companies funded uh, four 250 kilowatt solar farms a few years back, which okay. we were so excited to be a part of. Right. And uh, those systems, you know, they cost about four bucks a watt. They're about one point three megawatts. Right. Mm. So this, this required a company that had about five million dollars in tax liability to come in and put the money in take the tax credits, right? And they didn't have to pay those taxes. And instead, they invested into these uh, uh, solar systems. So it's an investment, not necessarily a loan per se. No, so no, they, they own it. Those yeah. are the owners of those systems. Okay. So a lot of the times it'll be like an LLC. It'll be like uh, X solar farm or, you know, whatever, Pukalani solar farm. Right? Right, right. And these guys come in, they have a, maybe a lease on the land and they have an agreement with the utility that says, yep, yeah, we're going to buy that energy from you. Right. This, mm -hmm. These types of systems really are mm -hmm. all fully you know, uh, done. They don't exist nowadays. Those opportunities are not as uh, as robust as they were before. They used to the ones that these were doing were the fits, the feed and tariffs, the big ones. Right. right? right. And um, effectively, the company would come in, they drop down the money, they buy the equipment, they lease the land, they put up the system, they start to sell energy to the grid. Yep. That's what they did, right? Okay. And uh, it made sense for them because the, in the absence of having those uh, tax credits, both federal and state, then they, and then the advantages of depreciation, they would have to take that money and just give it right to the government, right? But yep. now if that, if that tax rate lowers, in that exact example, and they don't maybe, it, let's say their tax liability was five million bucks, right? Then now it's not that. Now That's it's- 14 points left. Right, That's 14 right. points less, right? <laughs> so it literally contracts the amount of, you know, uh, available. Okay, so it changes, changes the game a little bit by, by who would be the target for actually rolling out these installations. Right. Okay. Right, right. Okay. That makes that, that makes more sense. And I feel compelled to say my disclaimer. Uh, we are talking about taxes. Neither Jay or I are CPAs. No. We're just giving our best <laughs> shot to explain what we're seeing in the news right now and what Abby kind of shared with us, kind of you know reflecting a little bit on that right. from the conversation. Right. Right. Um, so then the other thing that we're like further on, I really want to get to this bit because the beat, um, what they're calling the beat, is the. Oh, well, just the, um, okay, the base erosion anti-abuse tax, but you're going to have to yeah. explain this one, Jay. <laughs> okay, well, base erosion anti-abuse tax. I, I read a bit about this, and what it is is a, a tax on um, multinationals that could be levied against multinational corporations when they're shipping um, money, jobs, um, and, and print manufacturing overseas. So it's the, the economic base that they're referring to as the base base erosion, mm -hmm. um, which means we want to keep jobs in the United States. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound like a bad thing. The issue is that a lot of these multinational corporations, which are big enough to have this kind of tax burden and would take on these projects, would get levied an additional tax mm -hmm. that would completely counter the potential ITC tax credit that they would get. Mm. So yeah, well, I, I can see the result here. I can the, re the result is the result is a wash. It's almost it's almost net uh, net zero. So this is a big concern. This yeah. bead thing, and it says the, the the result is a quote here that I'll read and at least feel confident with the quote. It says mm -hmm. it would also make it harder for it would make it harder for banks and other large companies that are the principal source of tax equity for renewable energy to know when closing on tax equity investments whether they will receive the tax credits on offer for making the investments. So they're not really getting clarity whether they're going to get it or not. Right. No, it's it's very very murky at this point. Who's going to get assessed? How much it's going to 
going to be. And that's a big deal. And yeah, I mean, but, but it's a scary thing. Are you going to engage in a multi-million dollar build out when you don't know if you're going to get a return on it? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it says that while we are grateful that the Senate tax proposal leaves the current phase down schedules for wind and solar energy tax credits unchanged, the bill's beat provisions undermine our capacity to use renewable energy tax credits. Yep. Uh, and so we respectfully and urgently ask the beat program be amended. Yes. This is pretty powerful stuff here they're talking about. So, you know, well, I mean, I think that the, the, the big takeaway is that, you know, we're really happy that the ITC kept its current form. The EV tax credit is in, is, is in place. Um, but there are some concerns about how solar systems are going to be funded, how the actual uh, tax credits can be applied in different circumstances right. for funding large scale stuff. So right? it's the large scale stuff that's that's really affected by this this tax plan, though. The residential stuff seems OK. Well, maybe, uh, maybe. But now. the question becomes, you know, a lot of some of the times these PPAs, uh, they're funded in with, you know, large tranches of money. Right. Mm -hmm. And so there you have these big funds that come in. So does this apply to that? It very well. Maybe it does. I, yeah, I don't sure. know. You know. Well, I can so, see it. In Another upshot of that is it, it, um, when you have these large scale programs, they'll be importing a lot of materials. Right. And so just uh, in volume, um, volume purchasing as, as a nation, if volume goes down, then the pricing might not be as aggressive, especially mm. if there's a tariff in place. Mm, right. And that's so there's a double double down. And we did hear a little bit about the tariff, too. So outside of the tax conversation here, we did hear a little bit about what, uh, you know, Abby's uh, perception was of the um, the tariffs that are coming down the road, you know, mm -hmm. 20, uh, 26th was what is the deadline, 26th right? is the final deadline. Uh, she said that any any point between now and the 26th, we should hear it's It's really, really unlikely. It's been actually been extended a number of times, but it is unlikely that it will be uh, yeah. pushed off again. Yeah, and she, and she had said that there was some precedent in the past when you look at how presidents respond to the recommendation for them to vote differently. So it's not a foregone conclusion, which is what I asked her, that it will be a levied tariff. It's possible. Mm -hmm. It could happen. We'll see that tariff, you know, come on that spot. It's a possibility. She said something like, I think, Joni, you said like the term she got, ask 100 people, you get 100 different opinions yeah, on what's going to happen there, right? So there is a, I mean, that we, we definitely, um, there's definitely this moment in time right now in the next couple of weeks where a lot of important decisions are going to be made. From my perspective, what I didn't bring up in the interview with Abby is that um, when I talk to other, you know, solar company uh, people, owners, executives throughout the country, they're saying that that, um, that, that tariff, that likely tariff of about 30% mm -hmm. is already being priced into solar, so, solar panel supplies. I'm not in the industry and I, yeah. I've heard that. People took that and uh, marked up the panels and then yeah. they're just basically taking the profit now while they can. Yeah. And manufacturing <laughs> facilities were selling at below product production costs before in order to compete. Right. Sure. So they said, oh, here's an opportunity. Let's jack up prices. So we're seeing, you know, the, the prices go up that 30 percent already. So what what it's quite possible that if that decision comes in, it won't have any major impact on the price per watt that gets installed. Right. So right. that seems to be the language that's out there in the nation across the country right now from people that are doing this day to day. So, so it's not going to be as painful as we all think. They're, yeah, they're all actually their, their attitude is really interesting. They're like, oh, what are we going to people will ask the question, yep. uh, non-industry guys on these conference calls, you know, mm -hmm. and they'll be like, all right, well, hey, this is what's going on. So yep. um, very interesting Absolutely. discussion. Right. One future focused thing that I really want to talk about. I've had this. I've, it keeps getting trying to get pushed off. But um, I got an article across my desk. The DOE invests 12 million dollars to improve solar forecast. Wait, what? Um, the Department of Energy is interested in the weather. And it makes sense because the reason why is we're going to have more and more um, renewable um, non-generator um, uh, I mean, they're generators, but they're not uh, generating like from diesel and stuff. Non-fixed non right. energy. Yeah. Non-fixed energy. Um, and so they have a real issue where they need to rely on the weather report mm -hmm. to figure out how much power is actually going to be on the grid and mm -hmm. where to pull it from, where they, when they're, when they're going to need peak. Accurate and modeling. so, yeah, real, real accurate modeling. So they're actually putting together um, $12 million in funding to develop new models of weather reporting, specifically in um, the really, really um, short-term stuff. They right. want to know what's going to happen in the next 48 hours, and they want to know what's going to happen in the next six hours. So what a great what a great uh, ancillary benefit that we get from the, D the Department of Energy here. We might actually have accurate weather accurate reporting. Accurate weather reporting? You think so? I uh, love it. I don't, I don't, know, I don't, know, I don't <laughs> know about that one. <laughs> <laughs> it, could, it could, you know, it could, it could make the weatherman a guy that everybody likes rather than one that you're annoyed by. There you go. Absolutely. Excellent. So we are the Solar Coaster out here uh, every Friday at 105 p.m. Check us out, solar-coaster.com. 
Hey, everybody. This has been a really interesting show here with Abigail Ross Hopper. Big thanks uh, to Sia and all our sponsors, Maui Solar Project, Tabuchi Electric America, Sonin Battery, Pika Energy, and all our listeners out there. We got uh, something like a thousand impressions on Yay. our post today. <laughs> That's kind of neat. That's a first timer for us. So, yeah, sneak yeah. out there and uh, <laughs> like us on social media. Appreciate it. Hey, Aloha Friday, folks. Thanks so much for tuning in. Have a good one. We'll see you next Friday.